Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. How are we doing today, Richard? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, doing pretty good besides the whole uh, arguably one of the worst games of the season last night with the Mavs. Yeah, I actually... Two nights ago. I didn't get a watch. I was... Uh, I had I had my own game to win. Uh, I got my winning streak back on track. Uh, after a loss in our last game, so I'm I'm 18 and one all time as a middle school basketball head coach. So, you know, humble that brag. Sounds, that sounds almost like uh, you're coming for Floyd Mayweather's boxing uh, record. I mean, it's a very similar path. So, yeah, you might be the greatest middle school coach of all time. I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> in the top, you know, 30, 40,000. Give or take. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, we need a top 25, and uh, and I'll rank you. I'll plug you. I'll, I, I know some people. No. <laughs> that's actually what the eyes emoji tweet was about, was about top 25 middle school coaches in America and that you're going to make the list. Yeah, I saw you, uh, you. You blew up Twitter. You even got the official Velveeta account to, to tweet back at you without even tagging them. So I, I'm not sure what the story is there, but um, – I know we can't we can't talk about it just yet, but um, uh, all I'll say is um, there's some good stuff coming for Richard. Keep your eyes peeled, um, and uh, all will be revealed soon. Yeah, I just I can't believe that I have to hide that Luca is going to be you know traded for Giannis in a three team trade. Don't say it. My bad. My bad. My bad. I wasn't supposed to spoil that. Can't reveal. Yeah, Our sources no, are going to uh, kill us. Multiple sources. <laughs> I'll never get another source. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So it's uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded last. We're, we've been inconsistent lately with the, the winter storm here in, uh, in Dallas. Um, has had us recording like every other week at this point. Um, so we've missed some stuff and probably the biggest news that we've missed in, in terms of draft stuff was Jalen Johnson opting out of the rest of the season. Um, the, you know, highly touted Duke freshman came in with um, a ton of expectations, was really up and down um, throughout the year, was dealing with a foot injury. And as far as I know, it, it even, I mean, it's kind of nice that, that we've had, you know, over a week to kind of sit on it and and think about it. But unless I missed something, there really wasn't an explanation given at this point. Did, did you see something that I didn't? No. All I think he tweeted was something about, like, he's like, everybody does for themselves, so I'm going to do the same. So I don't know. I, it sounds like he wasn't a fit with Coach K at all. Um, it, it really just felt like all year is off. Coach K was for – I don't really know how to say it cleanly, but, I mean, he was just – kind of an ass honestly um to the media just he was very bitter this entire year and I can't imagine that some of it could have to do with the fact that his best player um I mean he was unhealthy I don't know that's not really it's an unfair knock to him but I, I just feel like something had to have not meshed behind the scenes um they, it, something just didn't add up there I think Jalen Johnson's one of the top 10 most talented players in the draft I think that's like a no doubter um I I I don't know. It's all it's all kind of weird to me that nothing came out. So I don't know. What, what's your stance on that? 
Yeah, I think I think there's a couple. It, it look it's dangerous to speculate when, and I think it's we need to point out like obviously you and I are not you know high level guys who have big time sources like this is pure speculation at this point. Richard's gonna get there one day, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> Richard's gonna be my source. Um, but regardless. Um, to me, it's got to be one of two or three things. I think it it could be the foot injury and his foot just isn't right. And he wasn't a fan of how Duke was handling his rehab. And maybe he said, look, I just got to pull the plug. And like he, he said, do what's best for him. Um, and, you know, if if it's as simple as that, you know, it's not. I. I don't think it's a big deal, but I think the reason it's kind of a bad look for him again, without knowing the full story, like just from the outside looking in is like you were saying there, there's clearly something not right with the fit. Right. And was it just, you know, I'm, I'm better off not even being on the roster. Um, or is it, you know, because like, like if you look at the last three games he played, uh, 24 minutes against North Carolina, 15 against Notre Dame, eight against NC State, um, he he just wasn't used. And again, whether that was a health thing or Coach K just feeling like he wasn't the best option for them at that point in time, we don't know. Um, but but you know it's. I think it's a little off that he just up and left at this point um, with really not much time left in the season. Um, And even if it was an injury thing, just the fact that he's not with the team at all um, is a little strange. And, And I don't know, maybe it's a COVID issue thing where he was like, you know, I want to get back home and, and Duke was like, well, then you need to just leave, leave. Uh, Again, there's just too many variables for us to really know, but from the outside looking in with the, the issues he's already had, um, you know, I think he's going to have some explaining to do to teams in the pre-draft process. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's all weird because you look at Tyrese Halberd last year, almost identical time of the season, um, not relative to where the season, um, different circumstances, but I think early, I think it was like the first of February, Tyrese Halliburton's wrist ruled him out for the year. Didn't leave, didn't go pro, didn't like, you know, start prepping for going pro. He was still there. Um, it's, it's very unheard of for this. Uh, I do think kind of like you said, you brought up a good point. If you look at his game by game, he started the first four games, three off the bench. He started the next four games, three off the bench. And those last three games were 24 minutes, 15 minutes, and eight minutes because of the injury. Um, but it, it's just all weird. After that pit game where he almost had a five-by-five, five, that you would think that would have been like, all right, we need to start using this guy more. Even after the Coffin State game when he missed a 20-20 by one rebound and one point, um, I, I just – something's off. Um, and I don't know if what it is. Something just doesn't add up there. And, and like you said – it, it is a big thing for coaches and GMs and front offices as a whole to figure out what went wrong and how he learned from it and what really just hear his side too. 
during the pre-draft process because I don't think teams actually care that he left. They kind of want to hear, is it, are you a quitter? Because he has a reputation. He left, he left two high schools, I think, to go to better situations. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if that's a fair tag to throw on him as a quitter, but teams need to figure out if that is or not because they're going to be the ones that can directly talk to him and say, you know, you left this place. Why? Why did you leave this place? Was it? Are you only looking out for yourself? Is it something that you just? We don't know. And like you said, the injury thing is a legit thing too. They wanted him to rush back and play when he wanted the rehab so he can go pro, which is a common thing. Like you keep up with football more than me. That's really common in football, right? Where guys just don't come back so that they can go pro. Or, yeah. And I know they'll skip the bowl games, which is totally acceptable. And like guys do that with the NIT too, like for useless games. But yeah, that's it's weird. Yeah, and I think what's tough is I'm always a proponent of, you know, you're yeah, like you're getting the free education and whatever, but all like they're not getting paid, right? And the fact that you are going like you're now gambling at that point with millions of dollars potentially um, if you go out there and continue to play and it's not the right fit or you are hurt or whatever the case may be and you have an opportunity to maybe save a couple million dollars by cutting the cord now and getting drafted earlier than you might if you tried to finish the year and things didn't go your way. I mean, look at BJ Boston as an example, right? If this guy was able to to declare directly out of high school, he's probably still going top 10, right? There, there may be like a yeah. little more, or if he, if he, let's say he opted out of the entire season because of COVID, right? He came in, everyone was like, okay, he's a, he's a top five pick, um, you know, guaranteed, uh, you know, ended up not being the case, but, but people felt pretty strongly that the scoring was going to translate, um, is, you know, now he's, he's struggling to, you know, retain first round status. Um, so I, I, I would never say that, you know, I would never criticize a kid for it. I would just say, you know, make sure you have a plan right, for what you're going to tell NBA teams. And, and he, I'm sure he does, like, you know, he's going to get an agent if he hasn't already, and the agent's going to fill him in on everything he needs to say. Um, but, yeah, NBA teams are going to need to do their due diligence and figure out what is what makes this kid tick. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. But outside of the situation itself, um, you do you think Jalen Johnson was able to answer some questions about his game? It's, I think it's hard because he only played in 13 games and in several of those games he had, you know, he played under, you know, 25 minutes. And he had two of them where he didn't even play 10 minutes. So you can throw two games out the window too. And his stats are kind of skewed. Right. Like he's, he's not a 44% shooter from three. No. Right. No, but, but he only he... took he only took 18 attempts and made eight of them, in, including two games where he went to a two. It's it's like Tyler Bay last year where he would take one a game and he shot 40 percent. But are you really going to expect Tyler Bay to shoot near 35 to 40 percent ever? Like I just. Yeah, you got to I don't know. There, there's a reason he was very hesitant to shoot threes. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's something you ever noticed, too, but like. If he could get to the rim, even if there's a 1% chance, he was doing that over 
over taking an open jump shot. Like that, that was alarming to me. I almost think that's a bigger issue than the, than the potential attitude or whatever you want to put on him. The, the questions that well, he's yeah i don't want to go there because i've never no. even talked to him no 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 sorry attitude's the wrong word sorry but like the the label of that people are throwing on him as a quarter sure. that teams have yeah, to yeah like that I, I genuinely think the jump shooting is a bigger issue than than that i i think it has a chance to be excuse me i don't know one way or the other how do you think his playmaking translates to the next level like do you think he's a true point forward or kind of a secondary or even tertiary guy who because for me I, I think where I would like to see him is in short role situations like like just play as a a small big and because he he's a he's an excellent rebounder he's a great shot blocker uh you know especially for his size um I think I would like to see him offensively in kind of a four maybe even small ball five role um and and let him distribute from there yeah i agree i i think the secondary tertiary it's the strongest if you because for him my worry is that you overuse him and that's where he gets mistake prone um kind of just for example there were a couple games where I'm, I'm looking at his game log where he had the pit game which is the greatest game i think of any prospect this year so far we almost had a five by five but he had seven assists to zero turnovers but uh, granted, this is against Coppin State, so take it how you will. He just tried doing too much, uh, where he had five assists to seven turnovers. He had a game versus North Carolina where he had five assists to two turnovers. He had a game versus Miami, two to four. Uh, he even had one where he had, uh, and this is against Louisville, where he had zero turn, zero assists and six turnovers. It's too spotty for me to buy into him being a full-time um, point forward. Not, not just because of that. It's kind of just the backup on it. But I, I do see him as a secondary guy that you can – Use him as a mismatch playmaker is how I would describe it. So, so where where is he sitting on on your board currently? Um, I believe it it's hard. It's really hard for me to judge him because of the absence now. Uh, I have him at eleven for now. I think if I saw a workout where his shot looks smooth, I, I just I don't know what to make of the shot. That's honestly the hardest thing for me because his free throw percentage is sixty three percent. The 18 threes is not enough for me to actually judge him. He's really hesitant. So those are big warnings for me. Although, if he overcomes the jump shooting hump, like that's a superstar on paper. That that he has every every mold for it. He has the one steal, one block threshold. Like he he hits a lot. He hits a lot of check boxes, and I think that his upside is probably top three, top five in this class. Yeah, I think for me, he's. I think I'm a little less bullish on him i do think the talent's there but i'm wondering is he more just like like is he ever going to become the sum of the parts um so for me he's probably gonna wind up in like the 12 to 18 range like kind of back half of the lottery to just outside the lottery and i don't think i can let him fall further than that because he's just too talented um he does too many things well um, that I think are going to translate, um, you know, depending on how NBA teams want to use him. Um, but I, I don't think he has any shot of getting back in the top 10 personally, um, because I just think there are other guys um, where even if you don't like the talent as much, um, you, you know what role they're going to fit. Um, there's fewer questions and 
Yeah, I think at some point you want to just say, give me the highest ceiling um, and and I'll go from there. Uh, But to me, if I'm picking in the top 10, I want a guy who has a pretty good floor as well. Um, And so I'm I'm taking Kispert and Book Knight and guys like that over Jalen Johnson any day. Right. Guys who are probably in the back half of the top 10 to maybe early teens. Yeah, and I mean, Kispert's also your guy. Uh, well, yeah. I think it also depends on. I think it also depends on on uh, what team is picking too. Like, if Orlando is picking versus Denver, or I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of a team that can that can afford a risk. Like that gets a back end. Like, say Oklahoma City gets Houston's pick, and Houston ends up somehow on the end of the lottery, right? Some I think that's how it works. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna feel like an idiot if so. Um, I do think that. Oklahoma City has, they have nothing to lose. They're going to get, they're going to have two lottery picks. Go for it. You know, I think, I think for taking Jalen, it's almost entirely who's picking kind of thing. The same way, like if we, we saw with Michael Porter, a lot of those teams in 2018 yeah. didn't want to take him because they ha- could not risk it. I, I still don't understand why the Clippers didn't, uh, but that's a whole different conversation. But I do think that if, if he falls to 14 in 2018, there's no reason Jalen Johnson won't fall out of the lottery potentially. Yeah, and I was, was going to I was going to mention Michael Porter as well uh, once you brought up the Nuggets and it seems to be working out pretty well for them thus far. <laughs> so um, anything else on Jalen Johnson or do you want to go ahead and talk about uh, someone that we just mentioned? <laughs> yeah, no, we can talk about someone we just mentioned. <laughs> All right. So Michael Porter. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, all right, so James, <laughs> James Booknight um, came back from injury, that elbow injury, um, in style, right? I think his first game back, he had that ridiculous put-back slam. Um, I know you love James Booknight. I'm a big fan of his, too. Um, so why don't you just go ahead and start talking about what you've seen since he's been back? Yeah, so he's had two games since he's been back against good competition, I think, uh, one better than the other. The first game was against Villanova, so he had to go against uh, Justin Moore, sometimes against Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Three games. Three games. You're Providence, right. Villanova, Georgetown. You're right. I forgot he came back against Providence. Uh, I didn't see the Providence game, so I've only seen two of uh, those three. Okay. Uh, I'm terribly sorry. I do not know the draft. Uh, but, <laughs> no, the, uh, the first – the first two games or the two games that I saw. So he had almost identical games. He had 21 and 10 on seven of 17 against Nova 20 and 10 against Georgetown on eight of 17, really similar games on those two. Um, he didn't lose a step of athleticism. That's for sure. He's a crazy athlete. Um, he's really skinny can bounce. I mean, I, I was enamored with everything he did. His shot creation is just unreal. The amount of separation he gets, he can, he has a bag. There's so much to like. Uh, he even made Jeremiah Robinson Earl just look like he didn't know how to play defense, which obviously, you know, that's my guy. And I think that he's one of the more complete guys all around. And he just made him look like a second round pick. Um, so that's that's how good he is. I've moved him very high on my board. Um, but the first three games back, I mean, he's he's been good. There's no signs of slowing down or anything. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it looked like he picked up right where he left off. Um, he's the scoring is absolutely going to translate. Um, just needs to, I, I think, really find his shot. It's a it's a good looking shot. 
Um, so, and, and the fact that he's shooting, you know, 77% from the line, uh, he's, he's an 80% free throw shooter for his career. Um, I think it'll translate. And I think some of it just has to do with the degree of difficulty of some of the three pointers he's taking. Um, and, and we've talked about that, you know, style of player several times on this podcast before, um, but a guy who I think will be able to hit open looks consistently. But like you said, definitely going to be able to create for himself um, and, and and get some good looks. I think maybe as, probably aside from like Jalen Green um, and, and Kay Cunningham, I would say Book Knight's right up there with anybody in terms of being able to create his own shot um, and and score at any level. Yeah, and in addition to being up there in terms of shot creation, he's probably one of the best athletes, too. I mean, Jalen yeah. Green takes that prize as the best. But among guards, I mean, I really don't know who – guards and wings, I don't know who's much better than him. My, I guess my, my only reservation, because I moved him very high, I think that this is such a no-brainer that these scores like that that are efficient, uh, they have a bag, they can create, they can they're not, – they're not bothered by defense pretty much is the way I like to think of it. Those guys translate. We see it every year. They're not a chucker. Um, I have zero questions about his game translating. He needs that strength, whatnot. But what do you think of his playmaking? Do you see him as like a one or a two? Yeah. No, yeah, I shook my head, which doesn't help people who are listening, <laughs> obviously. But uh, no, he's I, I think there are flashes, but he, he's a two all the way. Um he can take care of some of the ball handling duties for sure. Like that's not an issue. Um, but he's, he's looking to get his and that's fine. Um, not in, because, a, not in an ugly way though. Not like, no, Cam Thomas. no, not like no, Cam Thomas. Yeah. he's not, he's not forcing it. And, and frankly, like he's, he's got a much better repertoire of moves than Cam Thomas does. Um, and part of that is also just due to the athleticism and the first step quickness that he possesses. Um, it's, it's a rare ability and you kind of likened it to Zach Levine. Um, you know, right now Levine's playing as well as anybody right now. I yeah. mean, he's an all-star he's um, you know, we know Dalton Trigg loves him and wants him on the Mavs. I'm right there with you. But yeah, uh, <laughs> He, was he averaging like over 25, five and five? Like he's yeah, he's like 27, five and five on 50, 40, 90. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think Book Knight. I, I think Levine a shooter coming out of college. Um, yep. And I think he's obviously developed into a better playmaker, and you know maybe that's Book Knight's ceiling, but I don't I don't quite see that level of facilitation personally. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and I was wrong. He's actually at 29 points per game. Wow. Like that's yeah. And because and I pulled it up, because even if you get like Minnesota Zach Levine, he peaked like his floor was 10 points a game on 42 percent and 34. That was like his rookie year. And then by the end of his Minnesota year before he tore his ACL, he was at 19, three and three on 46, 39 and 84. And honestly, that's a really if good Knight gets player. that as a ceiling. That's a really good probably player. still get a top 10 player. Yeah. For years. And, and that's only Zach Levine's third year where he was going to get better anyways, before he tore his ACL. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like it's such a no brainer on him that like his defense, I, I don't know where you stand on it. 
it doesn't even matter to me that he won't be good on that end just because of his frame. Um, he creates those points right back. Yeah, and he he tries like he's not he's not mailing it in. Um, I, I think maybe this is kind of stupid. Um, I probably shouldn't even say it, but whatever. He kind of has like that, <laughs> like like too cool feeling. Like maybe it's just because he wears long sleeve shirts, <laughs> like genuinely. Hey, I like. I know that's stupid, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like yeah. the guys at the rec who show up in long sleeve shirts, and it's like, all right, bud. <laughs> they show up in the slides and everything. Yo. Yeah, it's like it's a hundred degrees out in the middle of the summer. Why are you wearing long sleeves? I can answer that if you wanted, because as someone who does do that sometimes, I could fully answer that. Yeah, you're a douche. It's That's comfortable. You are. That's it. Yeah, I'm a douche. That also could be it. <laughs> uh, I hope I didn't just alienate whatever listeners we have that like to go ball. It's fine. You do you. It's just I don't know. But but you know like he's kind of got that like like very relaxed, like almost too relaxed. Um, like Lonzo Ball had kind of like the same thing going yes. on, like like in high yes. school and college, and then obviously, you know, he locked in and became a really good defender. So, um, you know, but but you know what I mean, like giving off that kind of vibe. Jokic, like Jokic, like Jokic. Jokic is a prime example. He's too, <laughs> he's like the extreme of it. He's like, all right, I'm good at basketball, and then just like drops like 20, 10, and then like on accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do know what you mean though. Do you mean to do that? I do think it'll scare people off. Like it'll scare people off in the fact that they're going to be like, well, he doesn't look interested, but like, I've never seen anything that actually says he's not interested. I don't yeah, see him yeah. being a turnstile. Like James Harden isn't interested on defense unless it's a post up where he has to like defend his body. He is not interested in playing defense, but he's still a superstar. So like, right. So it it, it's some things you just, it's okay to be, a, it's okay to be bad. And like, if you if you want to save your energy to not guard like someone and I, sometimes it's okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, so anyway, I'm oh, probably gonna coaches. get ripped for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that back to your uh, to your assistant coaches and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you, just... <laughs> you know what? I think that is like the middle school coach and me being like <laughs> like yelling at the kids for like trying to get all swagged out, and I'm like, just stop, like. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Look good, play good doesn't doesn't apply when you're your skill level. All right, I'm I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Um, so let's let's kind of transition away from the draft for a little bit and and talk a little Mavs. Um, we we know the kind of the big not kind of storyline I guess is the you know. Porzingis stuff, right? And you even created a bit of a stir with your <laughs> I emoji, nonsense, which had nothing to do with Porzingis. which had nothing to do with it. So you can you can quit refreshing Richard's Twitter every five seconds. Unless um, you really just want to see Jalen Forbes from Tulane, that's like the last thing I've talked about. Like well, that's that's what I got everybody hyped up for. Alabama transfer. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, but but so. Again, like we don't have any inside knowledge, but what, like, what do you think of the whole situation? I think people read too much into it and think that a trade is coming. Uh, there's a whole fake that he liked a tweet. It wasn't real. Um, that he liked a tweet that was like, oh, he should go to the Warriors, whatever. Uh, not a real thing. So there's that. 
Uh, I don't really think anything is to be made of it. Some guys, believe this or not, can get hurt in other ways beyond playing in a game. And he probably got hurt in practice. That's that's it. And I mean, like, let's be real. He's not exactly known for playing through injury and, and being injury free. He's quite opposite. So I don't know. It is what it is. The Mavs are one, two of three without him. Just hope that you can keep winning two of three or similar and ride it out. Yeah, I think it's tough because, um, one, he's been getting crucified all year, um, you know, by the fan base. Uh, I, I texted you and was like, I, like, I get it. Like, he's been bad defensively and he hasn't been the most consistent, but he's got to be one of the most hated on guys to ever, like, put up 20 and nine, like, throughout <laughs> the season at this point. Um and again, like I'm not absolving him of everything. Like he, you know, there are times he needs to be better. He needs to play bigger. Um, but, you know, as far as just the trade thing itself. Yeah, I think we read a little too much into things. I think the one thing is, you know, Cuban denied it. Rick denied it. And Porzingis just kind of said, like, it is what it is today. Um, which maybe leads me to believe that it like. Like I was listening to, to, you know, local radio here today and they were saying, you know, it's quite possible that Donnie went to Porzingis and said, look, like we we have taken calls on you and, you know, we just have to do what's best for the team. But like there's nothing out there right now and we're, and we're not moving you. And so, you know, he doesn't want to say we haven't had those discussions because that, you know, that would be lying. Um but again, like there's just too many things that we don't know. And we're never going to know, um, you know, then all the different trade packages. And, you know, I, I threw one out there on Twitter. And ultimately, like at this point, you're selling too low on Porzingis. I think if you're going to move him, you wait until he, he, he can rally and put together a couple good games. Um, I think the toughest part about watching him right now is I don't think it's that he's not trying defensively. I think we're watching a guy who last year was able to move a certain way and this year he can't and he hasn't quite figured out how to adjust to that, right? He still thinks he can cover a certain amount of ground and he just can't do it, Um, you know, because of the the various knee injuries and maybe the back thing's been bothering him longer than we've thought. Um, and as someone with chronic back issues, like it's tough to move. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, is he going to be able to find a new way to, to adjust and, and play defense to kind of be an average defender who, you know, maybe, maybe makes the, um, like the mental adjustments to, to be in the position before he would normally be there, you know, kind of like how Dirk, you know, added like the swipes there, like to, to bring him from like a putrid defender to like, okay, like he's not going to kill you. Yeah. And, and Carlisle, I mean, if Carlisle has been able to hide Dirk, the same way like he's hitting so many defenders uh bad it's a, defenders, it's a little different like, though when you have to hide when you, five. 
Yeah. Right. And Especially when, when you play so much drop coverage and you're pick and roll, yep. you know, yep. defense. And when when the five is supposed to be a defensive stud, it, it's very different. It is completely different. Um, I was going to say the same thing. I, I do think the defensive drop off could be contributed to or attributed, excuse me, to the uh, the back issue. I, I do think that is something that he might be playing through because I, I mean, I thought he I don't know if you feel the same way. He's looked straight up stiff. A lot of times. Like yeah. That's, that's the word I've used. Like, when people people who will just DM me and they'll be like, so what's wrong with KP? Why is he being bad? And I'm, I'm just, on defense, the offense is the same. The offense, like, anybody who's hating his offense right now probably is overreacting. I think, I feel like everything's been good on that, for the most part. He's had some general inconsistencies to come back uh, at the beginning of January. But I think overall, he's been fine on offense. I don't have any gripes on that end. It's the defense. It's the fact that, for a guy who, when he was with the Knicks, you know, his best plays on defense were guys thought they were well in the clear and then he would come behind and be that help side blocker. He can't be a help side blocker very easily. He looks like he's 36 sometimes. And it's it's concerning to me with that. And I don't know if I'm not a health expert by any means. I don't know one way or the other if it's something that's fixable, if it's something that it's just a short stint, if he just needs time off. I don't know what it is. Um, but for a guy who makes a living off help side blocking and help side defense, and he's not really a guy that, you know, how, how do I describe it? He's not a guy that he's mobile enough, I guess, to take and starting from the perimeter, take him on drive, stay with his man, switch on to someone else. He doesn't do that. He just does kind of one thing. And he's an elite help side blocker is always how I felt he is. Um, and he can patrol certain areas when you have a stiff back, it's very hard to do that. And, and you're coming off knee injuries. So it's, I really want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I really do. Um, and and to, going back to what you said with the trade, I, I do think teams do due diligence and KP probably just took it wrong way. Like if anything, that's all it was. And it couldn't, I don't know who leaked it. I don't know if it was another team. It might've come out that it was another team, but uh, it could have been his agent. If KP was that mad that maybe he was just like, all right, tell him, like, tell him the media, like stir something up. Uh, but it's a weird situation. I don't think it's worth reading into yet. And one other thing, sorry, going back to the trade, why would the Mavs sell low? Like that is a, a right. not that this front office exactly has been great. Like I'm not going to sit here and say they're the greatest front office to ever exist. They're smarter than that. They're not going to sell low on their second best player. Like that is just pure incompetence. So yeah. I don't know why people think they're going to trade. They're gonna be, and then my favorite part is, People are like, oh, yeah, they're going to sell low. And then they're like, how about we get Vucevic and a pick? And I'm like, what do you, do you know what sell low means? Like, <laughs> like Vucevic is a sell high guy. You don't like, I don't know. I, I just, that, that's that's my take on it all. It's it's weird, but like be patient and I'm sure something better will come of this. <laughs> yeah, well, so the station I was listening to, um, you know, they were saying that there was a <laughs> reported offer, which, which I don't, I think he used the wrong word. I think it was a rumored offer. And I hadn't seen it anywhere. Um, that doesn't mean it it wasn't out there, but he said from the Warriors it would be along the lines of Wiggins, Wiseman, and the the Minnesota top three protected oh, first round pick. Dude, that was And I'm like, okay, that would not be selling low, right? That that might be something that you have to really consider. Um, you know, because maybe for once the the ping pong balls fall the Mavs way and you end up with the fourth pick and you know, that could be anyone from Mobley to Kuminga to Jalen Green. Um, or, you know, it conveys the following year. But, I, I mean, again, it's 
I don't, I don't think it's worth, you know, getting too, too worked up about at this point. Um, but I don't know. Uh, sometimes the Mavs like to, to move swiftly in silence. So, um, I guess we'll see if anything comes of it, but, um, do you want to go ahead and answer some mailbag questions? Looks like we got Yeah, let's get it. Yeah, all let's right. get it. We'll go back uh, some draft stuff. I think it's I think it's like all draft stuff. So, and one uh, of them mostly. is very tailored for you. Uh, and one of them's very tailored for you, and that's our buddy Matt Landry asking oh you why God. is Mac McClung your favorite prospect? I will not say Mac McClung. I will not talk about Mac McClung on this pros- on this uh, on this podcast. All right, so I'll answer the question for you, Matt. <laughs> Richard loves Mac McClung because he's got one of the most fun high school mixtapes of all time. Yeah, he does. He does. I will give him that. It is definitely <laughs> up there. It is a hundred. If you were, if you don't care about how like he might translate to the NBA, watch that mixtape. That is fun. Like I, I who do you, who does the best? It's John Wall, right? John Wall has the best one ever. Him or Tyreek Evans is up there. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr.'s up there. Uh, you know who I liked? And we actually Cole saw Anthony's saw was together. great. See, I never saw his actually. Oh, I never saw his. He Man, looked and, like and I still, a certified and I still freak. <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've seen high school clips. I just never saw like the mixtape. But okay. you know who's one that we saw together at uh, in Frisco at a Rough Riders game? I remember we were like going through like the 2016 recruiting glass. Was De'Aaron Fox? That dude. I yeah. Was, I was sold on that mixtape was insane because he was throwing down like tomahawks like over people and he was skinny as hell and I'm like, what is like the upside on this guy. <laughs> Who is this kid? <laughs> yeah, no. 2016 recruiting class had some sick mixtapes, though. Yeah. But John Wall. John Wall's EOG. Yeah, John John Wall's as good as it gets. Uh, Frankie's going to love that. Shout out, Frankie. I think I shout out Frankie like every podcast. Every single now. episode. He deserves One day it, he'll though. be a guest. <laughs> One day. We'll get, we'll get you on, Frankie. We'll get you on. <laughs> um, all right, so... Let's start with. Um, I think I think there's one. <clears throat> um, let me make sure I didn't get. Yeah, so there's. I'm gonna do one and then it will kind of feed to the other. I think this is the best way. So we'll start okay. with Simon. Yeah. Yeah. So first one, we'll kind of go. We're gonna start with number one. He has two. It's a two part. It's a two question. Uh, he cheated and put two. We only asked for one. Uh, no, but we, so his actually, first question you did was, not, you said any draft or Mavs questions. You yeah, want. I did say any, wow. So use my words against me. So he said, sell me on Kai Jones, uh, please he even said the word, please. So I'd, I'd like to ask you since you are, I I'm very high on Kai Jones, but I think you do a better job, uh, of our taking articulating it as I can't even say the word articulating. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then actually, um, Michael Kelmanson also asked, what Texas big men are you higher on, Greg Brown or Kai Jones, and why? So I think these questions kind of go together. So for me, uh, I, I'm taking Kai Jones. I, I said in our bold predictions episode way back that Kai Jones would be the second post off the board. I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. Um, it's really interesting because for whatever reason, Shaka Smart refuses to play him. Um <laughs> And there was a situation against, was it Kansas late when they tied it up? And, yes. yep. and I'm like, why do you not have Kai Jones on the floor right now? Because to me, Kai Jones is incredibly unique, right? So he's he's like this interesting, like, 
four, five kind of hybrid. I think he, he'd be best at the five. He will need to put on a little bit of weight to play there, um, but not too much because of his mobility. He's a, you don't see guys who are six eleven get down in a defensive stance and and defend the way he does on the perimeter. And when you watch the West Virginia game, um, he had this absolute blunder where he he had a wide open pass and he fumbled it out of bounds. And then he comes down on on the defensive end of the floor. And um, I forget who the West Virginia player was. Um, I don't think it was McBride, but I'm no, no, no. It was uh, Taz Sherman. It was probably him if he shot the ball. It was probably uh, Taz Sherman. <laughs> no, it was that um, that transfer that uh, he was scoreless in the first half. And he was just lighting up Texas off uh, in the second half. Um, white guy. Uh, you looked that up. But anyway, <laughs> he's he's digging him up and he he strips the guy and, uh, you know, Texas ended up losing in overtime anyway. But but it was an incredibly impressive defensive possession where he was able to sit down in a stance Um play close enough where he he knew he could slide his feet and not get beat, but he was also able to utilize his length and get his hand in there uh, to jump the crossover. Um, I I think the combination of touch with his finishing ability, um, the way he moves defensively, um, he's, there's a lot of projection still with him. Um, and I think maybe the reason he doesn't get as many minutes on Texas is because like at this very moment in time, Jericho Sims is a better college player than him, but Kai Jones just has so many traits that make you just go, wow. Right. Because guys shouldn't be able to do what he does. Yeah. He's a freak. He's he's an absolute freak. I mean, even though he doesn't get in, he's not like great at, how do I word this? He's not always at the right spot, right? Like on defense, but it almost doesn't matter because he can make up for it so quickly. Like, yeah, I'd great, rather foot, have a great guy, foot speed. Yeah, I'd rather have the guy who can make up for not being at the right place um, while being out of spot than the guy who, I don't know, I, I think it's just so much easier. The recovery ability is completely, it negates it to an extent. Not completely, yeah. but it, it does negate it a lot. Uh, also, the guy's name is, I think it's Sean McNeil. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, right. he's the only other one. I mean, he's the only, uh, yeah, no one, only one person scored off the bench. It was Tad Sherman, and then uh, I knew everybody else, and yeah, I believe he was the lone white player that scored. So that was um, actually pretty easy to find. But regardless, um, I think if you put Kai Jones at the five in the NBA, he'll be able to switch just about everything. Um, I think he'll provide some some help side blocking. Um or sorry, like like weak side rim protection would, would be a better way to phrase that. Um, and then I guess while we're, you know, Michael also asked about Greg Brown. Uh, I, I kind of like Greg Brown. He shot better than I expected. He's obviously a superb athlete, you know, especially as a vertical leaper. Um, but like he's an absolute black hole. Um, he he's he's turning the ball over or it's going up. Um, 
he's he's got like three assists all year or something like that. Like it's it's crazy low. Um, so I oh, think that's a bit of an issue, but there's there's definitely some stuff to like in terms of the you know the explosiveness and if the shot is legit, um, even if it's just like average. Um, and it's a threat, then that means he'll be able to attack hard closeouts, and um, you'll see some pretty special finishes. Um, I think he's, you know, at his best would probably be like kind of an Aaron Gordon type of player. Yep. Yeah. No, and 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 it was actually five assists. And guess how many turnovers he has? Like forty. Yeah, forty-three. That's, forty-three. That's, that's the worst ratio you will ever find of any prospect 43 turnovers uh, to five if that's six. not a red wow. flag i don't know what it is it's almost what nine to one yeah yeah he's very close it's eight it's over eight and a half to one like that's not good Jeez. um yeah he averages 2.3 turnovers per game 0.3 assists i really don't trust the shot 42 and a half percent from the field uh there's i really think he needs another year i don't think this is a full product of him uh, I know a lot of people think that he could get a top 10 pick. I think that's a, asking for your job. No, to I be think gone. He, he's outside the lottery, but yeah, he's, he's probably a top 25 guy right now. Whereas yeah, for me, and, Kai Jones is close to top 10. Yeah. I wouldn't touch Greg Brown in the lottery. I think that's a pretty, there's too many red flags surrounding him um, in terms of his game. I know I have heard good things. He's a good guy, good locker room guy, but I just, does that outweigh the fact that he has five assists to 43 turnovers? Like, I, I don't think so. So I, I also am higher on Kai Jones. And it's All right. Not close. I have Kai Jones. I, I have Kai Jones at 15. So like, yeah, I'm I have him, him just outside the top 10. Yeah. Um, Simon also had a second question, which was give me your best Hawks fit if they land somewhere at the end of the lottery or early non-lottery. So who do you like for the Hawks? Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson all day. Uh, I'm, I know the production hasn't been great. Doesn't bother me. I love the two way upside. I think his, I think his shot creation is going to be a lot better in the NBA. I love his defense and athleticism. It's a great fit next to Trey Young for me. And I think, I think he can contribute early on. I, I don't know how confident I am in that statement, but, um, but I, I, I do think that he has a good chance. If not him, I mean, maybe Jalen Johnson, maybe they're the team to take the swing. What about like a Franz Wagner? That's a good one. That is a good one too. I still, he is very talented and unique. I still don't know where I think he'll go. I don't know if he's a guy who goes closer to 20 or if he goes in the top 10. I feel like the range for him is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I I just think about it because, you know, you mentioned defense with Keon Johnson um, and you definitely get that with Wagner. You get it in a, a, it's a different kind of defender because he's bigger like, I think he's almost 6'10". Um, but I think you get... Uh, it's just a different kind of player, right? Like, do you want the guard or more of a forward? Yep. Um, and, you know, obviously they have Gallinari and Bogdanovich, um, you know, kind of as bigger, you know, wing forward types. Um, so I don't know if Wagner's the best fit, but, you know, it's just a name that kind of popped up for me. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I haven't watched the Hawks a, a ton this year. Yeah. It, it's Gallinari sucks at defense. That's a huge, huge problem for them. Uh, they also right. just haven't been as healthy and they still really haven't addressed the fact that Cam Reddish 
Um, while a good defender just doesn't bring anything to the table offensively, it's it's hard. And they also have too many kitchen, too many cooks in the kitchen. I feel like on the wings um, with Herter and I and those guys not really a wing hunter who's been good, um, especially this year. But it, it just seems like their roster is just kind of all over the place. They have talent, but not like assigned like assigned roles. So I don't know. I think Keon Johnson kind of makes a little that a little bit easier personally. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I am. And then if you're not going to say, I actually thought you were going to say Corey Kispert because I do like the fit next to Trey Young. Yeah, but he also said end of the lottery, early non-lottery. Corey Kispert's going to go top 10. So it's out of the range. see what you did there. (laughs) It's out of range. Yeah, fair, fair. I respect it. Corey Kispert, but to be fair, like Corey Kispert, like find me a team where he's not a fit. Not a single one, because literally yeah, every single team he's an shooting. absolutely elite three point shooter. So, end of story. He fits everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, moving down here, we got this is in like a different font, so I'm just gonna go ahead and read his at, which is at Baptist Baruch Baruch. Uh, he asks, uh, Are Mavs one of the more asset weak teams? Uh, how can they accrue? And then he said, you know, trading long-term Curry for Richardson's one year, um, trade two seconds and Roby for Willie Cauley-Stein, wasting Josh Green in G League quarantine. Um, so there's ahead. a lot to take. There's a lot to take in there. So um, first of all, I mean, I wouldn't call wasting Josh Green. I think it's actually the best use is getting him and Terry and Bay the G League run because it sounds greater in theory to put them against the best competition. Um, to develop, but I do think that getting in the G League, getting used to the pace in a in a less meaningful environment, I think that actually does a lot more for their confidence. Just overall development, the G League is really, really good at offensive development. And for a guy like Josh Green, he needs that. I really think that of all the three, it's probably him that needs it the most. I thought Tyrell Terry, I thought Josh Green's defense would be more impactful and meaningful in the NBA, but guys score. So I, and especially this year, guys are scoring more than ever. Um, so I thought Tyrell Terry actually is probably the most ready of the three, but Josh Green is, I would not call him being wasted right now. That was always a long-term pick. Um, and he's been doing well. He's not, not scared of anything at all. I think next year you're going to see big returns on that. Um, now as for how they could get more assets, because yes, they are like bottom five asset team in the league. They can't really trade any first round picks that mean anything until, I mean, like six years from now, let's be real. Nobody knows what they're doing in six years. Nobody knows what current seventh graders are going to be like they actually might even be sixth graders by then well someone so, does someone does but it's not they, i'm a middle the NBA school has, coach yeah <laughs> so maybe it's one of your maybe it's one of your kids that could be the top nba pick but, it's not um <laughs> i just yeah they i i do think that the best thing if i were the mavs you know you brought up josh richardson um if you end up whiffing yet again in free agency I think the best thing is take an expiring someone who I don't know off the top of my head, anybody that comes to mind and make another team, give up a pick, get another young player or get a future, get a 2022 pick, something like that. If you get two first round picks in a draft that gives you only like three teams every year, get that before the draft. Um, it's a very rare thing to have. And that make, it puts you in a lot of, it gives you a lot of power in trades. So I think that's the best thing. That's only if the maps miss on free agency, um, the other way is just to develop guys. I mean, you hope Tyrell Terry and Josh Green turn into good players, and good players have value. Yeah, I think other than that, it it would be move Porzingis 
Um, but again, if you're a team with Luka Doncic, I don't know how, you know, that would really go over. Um, you know, not that we're in the middle of some championship window or something, but, you know, you have a guy who's a top 10 player in basketball and um, you're not going to sell at this point. No. Um, and I think part of the problem is guys like Jalen Brunson, well, I mean, really just Jalen Brunson, who was an <laughs> asset, has like outplayed his way. Like he's played too well to be considered a trade asset anymore. Like to me, he's more valuable to the Mavericks unless you're going to be able to go out and get an absolute, you know, surefire third star. Um, you know, otherwise it makes more sense to keep him and let him keep doing what he's doing. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's tough. Um, I think right now, Terry Bay and Josh Green are probably your best, quote, assets at this point. Um, and we had a question from Vruda, um, and he said, where do you see Tyrell Terry, Tyler Bay, and Josh Green on this Mavs lineup in the future? With this young core, I see greatness. What are your thoughts? I mean, I wouldn't use the term greatness, but I think I see three guys who absolutely have avenues for like realistic, uh, meaningful minutes in the future as role players. But I see all three of them as role players. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think Tyler Bay is probably the least likely to ever put on a Mavs uniform just because the two way, a lot of the two way guys just don't stick. And I don't know what, we don't know the details of that. Where was it something that the Mavs were doing? I, I don't know that maybe they were just doing the two way to dance around the rules this year, but they haven't played him. So like, probably not. Um, I do think, I still think it's Josh Green. Josh Green is the guy who, I, I do think he has an avenue to be a starting small forward next to Luka Doncic. Um, there's a lot of moving parts that have to happen. But I'm very in on his work ethic and and his just ability to develop. I, I'm very high on that. Uh, my opinion really on him hasn't changed since the draft, so I'm all in on that. Ty, uh, Tyrell Terry, though, like for him at the offense, I, I don't never saw him as a year one guy. Year two is I think when you start seeing him, he could easily fill in for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I don't know when, but in theory, in theory, he could fill in that role. Um, I don't know if you want to put that role on him on his second year in the league and his first full-time year next year. But that's a very realistic path, I think, for him to do that. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think, you know, Green's ceiling is just an athletic 3 and D wing, right? That's that's what he is. Um, you know, how well is he going to shoot it? Um, Tyrell Terry, I think, is kind of the wild card. Um because I do think he could be just an absolute sniper. Um, and I want to say, I want to say it might've been Reese Conkle was, was tweeting about how he, how much he loved Tyrell going to the G league because it allowed him to actually get some shots up and, and be more confident uh, in his shooting and kind of build that. Um, and I totally agree. Um, I think he's a guy that, um, that needed to start to see a shot fall again, you know, after college as a pro. And uh, I don't know, maybe the Mavs bring him back for, for the playoff run at the end. And, you know, maybe he can carry that momentum over and, and just be a sharp shooter. Um, 
but I, I think I want to see the Mavs use him less as a point guard as like a Jalen Brunson type and more as a Trey Burke type or Seth Curry type of, you know, run him off screens, get him open, um, you know, just let him catch and shoot um, and, and stop trying to create so much. Yeah. And that was his problem when he was up in the NBA was he was scared to shoot. Like he had his shots, but I, I just, I genuinely he was trying to was facilitate scared. too much, mm-hmm. which it's, it's a pro in his game, but it's not his strength. Uh, right. his strength is always going to be shooting and that that's going to be what keeps him on the floor. If he gets five assists while going, Oh, five, he's probably not doing that well. You know, where, whereas if he's five of five with zero assists, you're probably really happy with how he's playing. Right. Like his scoring really matters. So yeah, I agree with that. All right, last question here from Luca's lawyer, uh, parentheses, not an actual lawyer. Um, speaking of Josh Green, would Josh Green still be worth a first if traded? I think that's a tough question yeah. because I, it's just not realistic. Like, Josh Green wouldn't be traded straight up for a first-round pick at this point. It doesn't make sense for the Mavericks to move him for a first-round draft pick. Um, number one, number two, it depends on where that first round draft pick is going to be. I think it's probably, you know, the value would probably be in the, you know, late first round range. Um, but if Josh Green's going to get traded again, it's for somebody who can help the team right now. It's not for you, you're just kind of moving the asset down the line. I don't think it really does much. Yeah, no, I agree. That's exactly how I would have said it. I mean, probably 22 to 30. If you were to, in a theoretical world, if you wanted to just see what you could get, I always did say, and it's not a knock on necessarily how he's played. It hasn't helped, but 18 last year is not the same as 18 this year. Um, that's, that's a huge part of it as well. Right. Um, well, I think that's all the questions we had. Um, this has been one of our longer podcasts recently, so I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, Make sure you follow Richard at Mavs Draft. Again, uh, keep your eyes peeled over there for, for his announcement coming pretty soon. Uh, you can follow me at Jared underscore Cats 30. Uh, make sure you uh, check out all of Richard's stuff over at MavsDraft.com. Um, please feel free to um, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and rate us or review us if uh, if your platform allows that. And um, I think that's all. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time.